Okay, so we've been looking at uh, discipling, and uh, as I said this morning, give opportunity for uh, questions and uh, uh, various feedback. Let's um, quickly do a little recap. Uh, if you weren't here before and you want to pick up on this, of course it's all available, it's all downloadable, um, audio downloads are there and uh, you can listen to it all. Uh, right at the beginning I said this series was uh, teaching for action, not just for information. And uh, so we've been moving into the action phase, particularly in this last uh, week or so. And uh, today we want to just really carry on on that a little bit. So uh, relax, enjoy, uh, be ready for action. So we looked at the scriptures and saw that there's a very clear um, biblical instruction about uh, making disciples. And it uh, couldn't be clearer. Uh, Jesus modelled it, Jesus instructed it, and that's therefore the thing that we want to do because we have to, to follow those instructions. Right back at the beginning, I explained that there were different spheres or different types, if you like. There's a discipling where Jesus said, go out and make disciples of all nations, which is basically uh, introducing people uh, to the good news of the gospel. That's uh, coming alongside, not sort of preaching out, but coming alongside, showing God's love and uh, introducing them to what God wants and God's way and God's claim. Uh, we talked about two things. There's a very real practical outworking. It's something that actually happens. But it ain't never going to happen as it should unless there's that heart attitude, that heart that God wants us to have. His love in us flowing through to others, whether they be people that are already followers of Jesus or those who uh, could become followers of Jesus. Uh, very, very important that this is a heart thing. Now, uh, when we come to looking at uh, some of the questions and other things we look at, that same thing still applies. This is something, if it's not in the heart, we're just introducing some kind of, I don't know, form of structure or uh, some method. And that is not how God works. God always works from the heart. In fact, he tells us that the kingdom of God is essentially internal. It has its outworking, but if it's not internal, it's never going to be what God intends. So very, very important. We talked about what's involved and how it happens and the kind of ways of helping and engaging. Then we talked, I think it was last week or maybe the week before, gave some biblical examples. Remember we talked about how Saul, the persecutor of Christians, uh, actually had this experience of uh, coming to know God and uh, submitting to God and then wanted to join the others because they were very, very uh, cautious, suspicious because all they knew of him was that he was a murderer of Christians and so uh, he couldn't do it. 
But the Bible talks about uh, Barnabas, and it says, but Barnabas, you see, the key thing there is Barnabas took a different heart attitude. He took a different position. And he became God's chosen tool. The key for making a difference, uh, which then, of course, in the whole story of Paul, led to the uh, apostolic and evangelizing of uh, the world, uh, in, in, as it was known, particularly in that area at that time. And, of course, what we have today in the Scriptures. So there was somebody who discipled him, who discipled Saul then to become Paul, who made a complete difference uh, in an ongoing way. And that was just looking at the dramatic nature of it. Then, of course, we see how Paul goes on to disciple Timothy. Very, very important. So uh, I'm going to take a little time uh, to look at some of the questions, and you have opportunity to ask questions, just like I said last week. Now, I'll give a certain amount of time, excuse me, to this, and then if I don't cover them all, then they'll be covered in, guess where? Yes, which everybody has now committed to read. Didn't you? Didn't you? You need to read it. Especially to know what's happening in terms of the coming things at the conference. All right. So let's have a little look at some of these. We're talking about this always discipling into Christ, into the person of Christ. Talks about the importance of, uh, if you're looking to have that input, that you, you see something in somebody that you think, I would like to, to learn that, to get that, to catch that. I'm not talking about something that's a governmental role. We're not talking about something that is exclusive. We're talking about a particular role. Um, and uh, we recognise what he is doing uh, and that it's God speaking to us at this time underlining this particular uh, biblical truth. Now, I think before, just to get you in the kind of flow of questions, um, before I answer some questions, I think I'll ask some questions, yes? For which purpose you will find on your chair... One of these. Now, we have engaged this morning, at great expense, a uh, statistical mathematician with an ability to assess numbers and crunch them into percentages in a moment of time, faster than any computer could ever do it. We brought him from a vast distance a long way away, where some people wouldn't feel that such clever and educated people would ever dwell. All the way from Bolton, Berry. <laughs> Sorry guys, it's north of Watford. Uh, we have Anthony McKernan. Right. So here's the way we do it, all right? If, you, if your answer is yes, you hold up yes. But you have to hold it up so you can see it. If your answer is no, 
you hold up no. You will be amazed how this works, all right? Is discipling a good thing? Thank you. Is it a bad thing? Next, is it what God wants for all? This is quite easy, isn't it? Is it not for all? Is it not for all? What do two double What does a double negative make? All right. That's just to get you into the sort of flow of it. Since we started the series, have you decided to be discipled? You could be holding up yes or no. Next, have you asked someone to disciple you? No, since we started the series. Since we started the series. Okay, thank you. Am I going too quick? Right, if you said no to those two previous ones... Is it because you're already being discipled? Okay. Since we started the series, have you decided you need to start discipling someone? Okay. Have you offered to disciple someone? Okay, and for those of you that have said no, is it because you're already doing it? Okay, let's have a little look then at... uh, kind of a scale or a spectrum of discipling. See, right there at the, at the far end and the left, there's not associated, not engaged in anything at all in that. Next stage, yeah, there could be a, uh, a checking up on, uh, a willingness to um, kind of be open uh, then it could go a step further an actual seeking to input to gain input to get the benefit of that then we move on to what we've described as the uh, 
apprentice, um, the coming alongside, the training alongside somebody. Uh, and of course, being a disciple often leads and should lead also to discipling others. So there can be a, a kind of spectrum. And probably, you know, I may have missed something, but probably most people would be able to identify with some point on the spectrum. And uh, that would be uh, good to just take note of where we stand at the present time. Okay, let's have a look at some of the questions. You know, when I was thinking about this, just before we go into the questions, I thought, um, you can apply this to any area. Uh, I, I was just thinking about sort of painting and decorating. That's just a thought that came to mind. And you'd start off with you, you just kind of, yeah, just something you do. Um, kind of then may reach the stage where somebody sort of uh, looks at what you've done. And you may even be open in the third stage for them to look and maybe make even suggestions. <coughs> Could even go a bit further by saying, uh, well, do you have a better way to do it? Then you kind of maybe move into that phase where the you're with somebody who knows how to do it to actually get the paint where it's supposed to be. I kind of had this at certain points, but only after I offered to paint my grandmother's kitchen. And for some reason we were using fire engine red. Oh boy, you have never seen so much fire engine red paint where it shouldn't be. And of course, with paint, it stays there forever. <laughs> Eventually, there was uh, some help on that. Do you come to a point where you're actually able uh, not only uh, to receive and give input, but you could even be showing somebody else? So it can apply in lots of different ways and different areas. All right. So let's look at some of those uh, questions that we had and any others that come to mind. <clears throat> See how we're doing for time, yes. If, um, if I'm accountable but not drawing, is that discipling? Some of these are questions of clarification. Some of them are trying to explore what do we actually mean, um, and uh, I'm working on the basis that uh, they pretty much all come into that, into that category. Uh, if I'm accountable <coughs> but not drawing, is it uh, discipling? Well, no, that's not. Because you're, you can be accountable in lots of areas. You can go to, to a place of work or do a job and you're accountable, um, but you're not actually uh, receiving any training or um, committed input. Um, 
So it's something beyond that. Where is the, the, the wisdom of balance in hearing God for yourself as against being discipled? That's a very good point. Because you see, um, a discipler helps you to hear God for yourself. Helps you, does never hear God for you. The Bible teaches that there is only one mediator between God and man, and that's Christ Jesus. So it never stands in that place. So the importance of hearing God for yourself is always there. When you feel that, uh, when you feel that love for someone uh, and want to disciple them, but they don't know God or maybe don't pursue the relationship with you, would you pursue until they step up or walk away? This is one of those important questions and there's only ever one answer. And the answer is our heart is always towards serving and helping but uh, we do what God gives us to do. Uh, we never turn away until God says so. Um, we don't pursue something unless God is saying so. So there is, I'm afraid, no substitute from uh, hearing from God. Um, we don't determine that based on somebody's response reaction um, sometimes that doesn't really convey exactly what is happening but we're we're looking to hear God <clears throat> in marriage does discipleship look different should a wife be discipled by a husband or by another or by both I think the, the key thing here the answer is yes uh, I think in marriage you would expect that but we must be careful not, not to build something which is in the, in the heart and plan and purpose of God into some kind of uh, legalistic or restricted structure. Um, otherwise we say, you know, if somebody... Uh, God is raising up somebody to disciple a person and they, they, there's a, a barrier which you can't actually read in the scripture to do it, then we've invented a structure which which really works against uh, what God is doing. So, um, in a married relationship, yes, I would expect there to be uh, discipling, uh, but I wouldn't exclude that there could be uh, other inputs alongside that as well. And hear what I'm saying. You see, uh, other inputs. It's, it's very, very important that we think of discipling according to what we see and the patterns that God gives us in his word, is very, very specific, very, very actual, very real. Um, and it would often, therefore, be a primary place of uh, input. Remember we talked about accounting for your ability. It could be a primary place where you would open up, where you would share. But there's a difference between primary and exclusive. We're not talking about this is the only. It may be a significant and important, but I would hope that we could be open to receive, since God says that we are uh, priests unto him, since he says that uh, we, each one, member of the body, is able to minister, we're, we're priests unto God, uh, to be open to anyone, to any import, and a variety of imports is very, very important. So multiple inputs, primary, specific, 
but not exclusive. Uh, is discipling the same as having a personal people to talk things through with? Well, yes, it would have clearly have that element in it. Um, but it kind of feels that it would go a bit forward, a bit, bit beyond that, because uh, you can talk something through um, without any sense of somebody really uh, engaging, being kind of uh, on your side, for you, uh, maybe seeking God for you, looking out for you, uh, beginning to bring things to you. You remember we talked about those little nudges, things like that, uh, that are so critical and so important. Uh, that would probably also uh, be covered talking to different people about different things. Of course we would do that. Um, that that's uh, the issue of life, the, the variety of uh, sources and things like that. Um, you know, if I... If I wanted um, some help with a, uh, advice on a plumbing job, uh, I probably wouldn't ask Ken Jarvis because I'd think he'd be better on medical things and, well, lots of things, gardening and all sorts of things. But, so a variety of sources. So um, we, w we would expect to do that. Uh, and to gain input from different people. Uh, but that doesn't necessarily mean that that's a discipling relationship because I'm getting input from different ones. Um, another question, if mentoring and discipling meant the same thing. Uh, the questioner said they didn't, um, but I'm, I don't really know quite what was behind that. Um, so it would often be used in a in an interactive way. I would say the elements would be very similar, but there may be uh, a dimension which is rather uh, different that does, that I'm not really, I'd need to know more about that question. Um, how are the skills measured? Uh, okay. Um, goes on to ask the question, is this how mentors for Doulos are chosen? Well, uh, the mentors for Doulos, and just we're mentioning that, of course, we're just starting that uh, next uh, Doulos uh, training time. We're actually very clear in saying that that's a discipleship training course. It's not a Bible study course, uh, although you study the Bible. Uh, how the mentors, the mentors are people who have a heart for someone, uh, who have... Uh, something in God that they can bring and something that they're willing to be in order to serve that person. It's a, a very clear serving role. So it would be uh, an assessment on the, uh, the quality of, of the heart attitude, the willingness to serve, uh, the ability to actually uh, come alongside and engage with people. Uh, would be the way in which they're chosen. Uh, what should you do when you don't feel there's anyone that you would be comfortable with asking to disciple you? Um, well, I, 
I think it's another question uh, very similar if you can't see anyone that has anything that you want or that you need. I think in that, that situation, you, you have to really ask God to search your heart uh, because uh, that says something has to change within. Uh, if I can't see uh, any value uh, in anybody, anything that I would like to see uh, in my own life, or feel there's anybody that could input me, uh, then that, that's a, a time to go before God and say, Lord, is this all right? Is there something that you need and that you're wanting to change there? Um, is age and experience a factor to consider? Yes, but it's... Uh, I think I've already covered that. It's not the key thing. How does this does discipling have to be one-on-one or can it be in a group? Uh, I talked about this. I said that um, I believe and I, I see that uh, discipling, as I've already said, is a specific, that you're actually... Remember I used the example uh, of the difference between uh, the, the years which I ministered at uh, uh, Leroy Hills Church and the time when he came to recognise and choose and decide before God that he felt that I should have that, um, be accorded that apostolic uh, covering role in, in that church and the difference that it made, not just in, it wasn't in what I did so much as what, how it was received. And the scripture I gave you for that, which is a very, very key thing, if you receive a prophet in the name of a prophet, you get a prophet's reward. Um, which basically means you have to accord something, recognise something. Um, if I'm sick, I go and see a doctor. I could go and talk to my neighbour or uh, some friend up the road, but I go to the doctor. Why do I go to the doctor? Because I'm attributing and recognising that there's something that he has that could be beneficial to me and that opens a way for me to receive that because he's actually um, able and, and uh, I'm attributing that to him um, right uh, if you are more mature as a Christian do you need to have a specific person who disciples you uh, or can you use the iron sharpens iron idea um, and draw different things? In what I'm actually bringing to you from the Word of God at this time, I would really want to rephrase that. And I'd rephrase it to this. Um, not so much, do you need, would you want? What do you understand that God wants? Uh, and I think it's got to come into that realm in order for that to function uh, in a particular way. So, uh, cover, does it just have to be one person? Oh, this one. Uh, let's say I'm being discipled and my discipler <coughs> gives me a nudge to do something a few times and I don't agree. What do I do? Well, let me come back to this. Uh, we have to do everything that we do uh, as unto the Lord. So this is what God wants us to do. Uh, we have to do it with a sense of the smile of God's approval. So the wise thing is, uh, 
if somebody's bringing something to me, uh, rather than just say, nah, nah, I lay it before God and ask him to make it clear to me. And uh, uh, otherwise we have to proceed on the basis of our, um, our own conviction. But <clears throat> if you love and trust somebody um, and they're nudging you something, you take that seriously, but you can't do something that you don't agree with. Now, I'm not talking about um, practicalities, you know, I don't agree that we should meet at 10.25, so I'm going to come at 11.25. That's just a practical. If you've got an issue of conscience about that, then uh, we're in a sad and sorry state. So I'm not talking about practicalities. I'm talking about those things which are uh, about conscience. Um, Sometimes when discipling someone, the relationship can become draining. Does this mean it's time to... Time to change. Ha. Well, no. Um, I said earlier on, we have to do what God gives us to do. Sometimes we have to go back and say, Lord, uh, just refresh my heart. Just let me again know and feel uh, your heart, your compassion uh, in this situation. All right. Um, Probably time for a couple of questions if you wanted. I know I've answered a lot, but... Um, you've all submitted them beforehand Hmm? okay yeah I think um, um, with somebody that's, that's new or not even yet become a Christian, it's much more um, on the discipler to be uh, showing love, care and input. Um, I think that in, uh, further on, in a more mature situation, I think the, the level of openness and drawing and readiness to receive on the person being discipled becomes a much bigger issue. So yes, I think there is a, there's like a continuum, a sort of change there. Yeah. All right. Well, you can still raise any questions you want. Um, they're always welcome. I've always said that questions are important and welcome. I want to suggest turn to something else um, on this uh, for a little while. Turning to the Bible, the biblical uh, description of disciples again. Uh, I was just thinking, um, how do you think they felt? I was just sitting there the other day and I thought, how did they feel? How did they feel when they were called? How did they feel when they were sent? How did they feel when they returned? And as I sat and thought, I thought, you know what? This is, this is just uh, an interesting thing because it's leading me somewhere. There's Jesus, all right? He's in the wilderness for 40 days and nights, tempted by the devil, right? Comes in from that, presumably, um, you know, not... I suppose in the wilderness, you've not got like a 
change your clothes, have you? Hot showers, kind of thing. I mean, I guess you'd look a little bit wild. Uh, you're not going to roll up to the local barbers for a shave or anything like that. I mean, it's just kind of uh, a bit sort of... Um, and it, it comes in from that. The first thing that happens um, is he hears that uh, John the Baptist is in prison. So here's somebody been in the wilderness, tempted by the devil, his sort of key promoter is in prison, and he starts preaching repentance and the kingdom of heaven. And uh, we, as we read the story, Matthew 4, it, it goes on to say, he's going along and he sees two brothers fishing, and they cause them to follow him, and uh, it says immediately they left their nets and followed him. I thought this is this is kind of not very logical. This weird-looking character comes along, preaching wild. Uh, his main promoter is in prison, and he just you're in the middle of work, and he says, "Right, follow me." So they do. He goes on a little bit further. He sees two more brothers, James and John, this time in the boat fishing. He calls them, and they just, again, immediately follow. So they leave their business, their father's business, uh, and just walk out right there. I mean, we read these stories, and we don't always really enter in the kind of, what, what on earth was this happening? What was going on here? And of course, in the course of time, they saw healing and they saw deliverance and they saw disappointment and uh, death and actually were chosen to be those who turned the world upside down. So kind of quite a mixture of things happened as they went on. There's another one. He's just about to attend his father's funeral and gets the call to follow Jesus and says, oh, I'm just going to do that. And Jesus gives him a apparently pretty sort of sharp answer. And uh, so he follows. And where does he follow? Where does he find himself? He gets into a boat and then he's in total peril on the sea in this storm that Jesus has to calm. I mean, what would you feel like? You just kind of left, instead of burying your father, you've left and then you're in a storm and it looks as though you're all going to drown. Then there's Matthew. Matthew's a professional guy. He's a tax collector. Uh, you know, well recognised in society. Um, he immediately gives up his career. And in, in fact, the next verse, you see that he's, uh, he's got Jesus, his disciples, and a whole bunch of sinners and other, t- other business colleagues, tax collectors, having dinner in his house, and then the Pharisees come and he's in the middle of a dispute. And as I thought about this, I concluded, you know, I've talked to you about the importance and about the values, something about how this happens, uh, what we can gain, and so on and so forth. And I thought, yeah, that's fine, 
But there has to be something that's really uh, beyond this. It's, re- it's beyond weighing the pros and cons. It's, a, it's really beyond weighing the, the value of having somebody who cares and takes an interest. It's more about having a conviction to be a follower of Jesus and seeing this as one of God's chosen ways, as a key chosen way for it to happen. That's, that's a conviction. That's not about weighing pros and cons of the thing. And uh, I was looking at this story that, uh, if I can just find it, um, that Jamie was showing me uh, recently. In fact, it was a clip, but I've, it's a bit long. Uh, in Jesus' day, all the children uh, would go to the synagogue school and they'd learn large chunks of the Bible by memory. But at 13, the boys would either go into their father's business, but if they kind of made the cut, if they were good enough, if they had the ability, and especially the passion, they would go to the next level of education, kind of like the Hebrew secondary school. And the cream of the crop from the secondary school might have the possibility of becoming what's called Talmudim. That's a Hebrew word for disciple. And Talmudim not only want to know what the teacher knows, but want to be what the teacher is. That that took a huge commitment, a willingness to give up everything else. So a young man from the secondary school may approach the rabbi and ask to become his disciple. He may observe you and often say no if you didn't have the passion and ability. But if he thought you did have the commitment, he would say, come, follow me. The very thing that Jesus says. In fact, 20 times in the gospel, he says, follow me. But here's the point I'm coming to. Um, Basically, if they followed, they'd follow the rabbi for years until the rabbi says, you made it, now you can go and make your own disciples. But the fact that Peter, Andrew, James, John were fishing meant that they didn't make the cut. They were just off in their father's business and joined the family business. They weren't in that realm. But when Jesus said, come, follow me, he was saying, I believe you can become like me. And in John 15, he says this, you didn't choose me, I chose you. And I believe that God has chosen us and wants us for his purpose. It has to come to a place of conviction. When they came back, they were, they were really over the moon. They said, Lord, uh, even demons submit to us. And then he said, but there's something greater. And that is that you are following me, that you are become part of my people. Something higher than just what happens. I think that 
I'm willing that we can answer more questions and so on and so forth as the days go by, but to me, I'm saying I've laid out uh, advantages and things like that, but this has got to be something that we do with a sense of, of, of conviction, um, that this is what God wants. And I'm just going to ask now, we take a little time, um, just to wait on God, just to worship him, just to open our hearts to him. Uh, really from a point of view um, of just letting God have his way in our hearts. Just saying, Lord, um, I'm before you. What, what do you want? Uh, I, I, this is thing has got to be uh, something of, of conviction. This has got to be not just the advantages, disadvantages. This has got to be what you're, what you're doing. And I, I believe that as we come into the presence of God, the Bible says, in, in the day of my power, my people are willing. In that place of his presence, he can mould our heart and our will so that we can also receive and hear from him to know, actually, I don't maybe have all the answers, but this is something that I receive that you're saying, that I will be a follower of you. And this, what we've been talking about, is one of the ways I can do that. So let's pray. Let's take a little time to do that. We'll just take a time of accessing his presence and just letting him have his way uh, in our hearts and just wait upon him. This is a heart thing. Have your way, Lord. Just wait before you. Just grant us now, Lord, the privilege and the reality of your presence all over again. Oh, that this can be a time when you shape us into what you want. And we receive, Lord, that place of conviction.